Welcome to Buying and Selling with Bree. My name is Labrita Dews, and I am a realtor in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Hello, everyone. Um, first of all, I want to thank you all for uh, coming to my podcast, and I'm going to, you know, welcome everyone. Uh, thank everyone that is coming and joining in later. Um, again, I said my name is Labrita Dews, and I am a realtor in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I have been a realtor here uh, going on nine years. Um, I am also uh, retired from the military. I want to um, speak to you all a little bit about uh, buying a home. When clients come to me or when buyers come to me and they're interested in buying a home, um, there is a process that has to be done. I always make sure I do a consultation. I always make sure that I sit down with them and uh, they let me know uh, what they what they want, what they have to do. You know, we talk about uh, how long have you been on the job? Do they know, you know, their credit score, you know, and so on. Most of the time, the people will tell me um, that they have credit issues. And from then, I will say, okay, I have someone um, that I can refer you to. Um, and once I do that, they go through the process of uh, the credit repair and the credit repair person um, will send them back to me. And saying that, please welcome Demetrius Ross of Ross Financial Services. She is a credit repair person. She has been in the business going on two years. Ms. Demetria, how are you doing today? How are you doing? We, we can't hear you. I'm sorry, I was on mute. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me, Ms. Dude. So, thank you so much. So, Ms. Demetria, um, I'm the realtor and you are the credit repair person. When I have someone that uh, comes to me and they have credit issues, I send them to you. Can you um, explain to the audience the process, um, what you go through when they come to you? Yes, ma'am. So again, I'm Demetria Ross and I'm the owner of Ross Financial Solutions. And again, that's what I do. I assist in improving the health of the overall credit profile. So if you come to me from Ms. Dews and you let me know that you are interested in buying a home, then of course that's gonna be the whole goal is to get you to the closing table and get as much off of your credit reports as we can possible. But the whole goal will still be overall credit improvement so that you can get your home, so that you can qualify for lower interest rates, so that you can be better credit worthy than you started. So a little bit how that process looks. Okay. Is okay. To get an idea of what your goals are. So if you let me know that you wanted to buy a home in about three months, four months, then you're not really gonna be an ideal client only because credit repair does take time. Now that does vary because I've had clients that are ready for their home after only four months, but most clients are not. And I let people know, usually clients starting in the 500s, most need about nine to 12 months in the program. And that's gonna depend on how you're building credit, what type of account you already have open and things like that. So we're gonna sit down and see what some of your goals are, how soon you're looking to buy and where you're currently at. Okay, so let me ask you a question. What is the most common issue that people have when they come to you with their credit? Uh, pretty much the same. Most clients are pretty much the same. They're trying to improve their payment history. So that's what credit repair specialists work on. That's what I do. We are working on 35% of the credit score. That is payment history. So all of that is usually negative accounts where you had past debt that you didn't pay. Whatever happened, for whatever reason, it went unpaid. Maybe it went to collections or it was charged off. So that's what we are trying to reduce. And most clients have that issue where they have too much negative reporting so that their debt to income ratio is too high. So we're trying to get off as much as possible so that we can improve the debt to income ratio. Okay, the okay. other question that uh, I have is, is it possible that when you remove things off of your credit report, uh, is it possible that the credit score sometimes still goes down? 
Yes, very, very possible. That's a great question because I often post this on my page because I don't want anybody to get into credit repair and think that credit repair is only about accounts being removed. That's only, again, 35% of the credit score. So to answer your question specifically, whenever I get an account removed, it could have positive and negative attached to it. The thing is, is that the account was hurting you more than it's helping you. So we're going to try to get it either updated to a better status. But usually the whole goal is to try to get it off. So if you don't have any open accounts, like any accounts that's reporting open and building positive credit, your scores can go down if I get negative accounts off before you start building on positive credit. So that's where you can see the score decrease. Okay, so... Uh, how does the, I know there are a lot of people now that have uh, student loans. Can you really kind of explain the student loan process and how does that affect the credit? Well, that definitely depends on the type of loan, but most loans are going to only take into consideration 1% of the student loan. So whenever you go for credit repair, we're not going to touch any positive student loans. So positive student loans is reporting positive. There's no negative. It's not reporting late payments or defaults of any kind. I'm not going to touch it because that's usually most people's longest standing account. Any negative student loans, we are going to work to see if we can, like I said, either one, get it updated to a better status or see if we can get it removed. Even with that, if we get a student loan or a student loans off of your credit report, it doesn't remove the fact that you still owe those student loans. And as you may know, whenever you go to apply for a mortgage, you still have to disclose that student loan because it comes up in a whole nother system. So just because it's off of your credit reports doesn't mean that, you know, the mortgage loan officer is not going to see it. The whole goal is to try to get off the negative that was reporting with that student loan. So... That's where I come in at um, when I do have buyers with uh, student loans. A lot of them say, oh, my, my account is in deferment. So it really doesn't matter if that account is in deferment. The lender is still going to take 1% of that loan and make you a payment. And that's what a lot of them, you know, don't understand. And that is added to their debt ratio, even though it's uh, in deferment. Yes, ma'am. And that, of course, you know, that stops a lot of people from moving forward with the home owner process because they have too much debt to, com com I'm sorry, compared to their income. So that's where that is. Okay. So what about medical bills? What if you have a, a, a medical bill and say, for instance, it was one Harris Hospital and then you knew you went to Harris and then three years later, it was to somebody else. Can you really explain that process? Because that's being sold to a third party. So how does that work? Yeah, so pretty much with any negative account, most companies will either keep the collection in-house and they'll do their own collections or they'll sell it, like you said. So not just medical debt, but if it's sold to a collection company, most times if you go try to take care of it and pay it whether you want to pay it in full or settle it they'll let you know that you need to take care of it with the collection agency they no longer own the debt or they've hired someone else to take care of it so you can work on payment arrangements to see if you can stop the negative reporting or you can of course get with a credit specialist to see if there's anything that can be used as ammunition to get that off of your credit so one thing that I know with medical bills, a lot of people are looking at Credit Karma and Credit Karma only shows TransUnion and Equifax. So if you're not looking at Experian, Experian does hold a lot of medical debt that a lot of people may not be aware of if they're only looking at monitoring Credit Karma. So that's definitely important to understand what's on all three credit reports so that if you do have medical debt reporting on Experian, you're not getting your scores up on two bureaus and then you still have this Experian um, bureau that a lot of lenders do check and it's full of medical debt. Okay, so the other question is, if the original debt occurred with Harris Hospital, or how, is it in a to share your information? 
no, not really. And there are some things to that where that can come up where it's a HIPAA violation, but I just really see like too much incorrect information floating around on social media, just saying like um, disputed with the credit bureaus that it was a HIPAA violation. It, there's so much behind it, but one thing I can give an example of, just say you disputed the account and they send you something, you know, you ask for them to validate the debt. They are going to send you something showing that the account is yours, the data service and things like that. If the collection agency has specific um, diagnosis codes and CPT codes and anything that is highlighting what you were seen for, then that can be a HIPAA violation. But those two companies, the hospital or the provider and the collection agency, they do business together. So most likely when you went to the hospital, you signed something that said that they can share your, your information with their business partners. So nine times out of 10, it's not a HIPAA violation unless I can get information back saying that you know that I was seen for cancer treatment or you know that I was seen for whatever medical diagnosis that I went in. So it's, it's not necessarily that most medical debt is removed for HIPAA violation. That's just a big misconception. And there's so many other ways to get medical debt off of your credit report without trying to use that as a reason. So you were saying earlier that people um, will negotiate either with the collective company or the hospital, you know, call the hospital and the hospital will say, hey, you know, we've already um, sold that account, <coughs> excuse me. If they have already sold the account and they are negotiating with it, will that company take it off themselves if you ask them? It's really not as simple as asking them because anything reporting on your credit, it's usually accurate as far as the account being owed. Um, unless you're a victim of identity theft, then that's a whole nother thing. That's a different process. But if the account is on your credit report, most times it's your debt. Um, Whenever you're trying to get it off, you're going to be looking for errors and violations and things like that. So one one way to really just know that I, I kind of got tied up. So what I was going to say, but um, just to really. My bad, I forgot your question. <laughs> I was going in a different direction. I was talking about um, when they sell the account. And they, you call them there and say, hey, I want to pay this. And then they say, we have already sold the account. So you call the company that it was sold to and they negotiate. They say, well, you pay this. Do they have the right to take it off or do they normally remove it? Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. So I was going in a different direction. So yeah, um, again, they're not obligated to take it off. You can do what's called a pay to delete. And that's basically you are asking them to delete it if you pay it. And you're going to ask for something in writing before you make that payment. But because no one is obligated to take anything off your credit, they are, uh, um, you, you know, the credit bureaus are being paid for accounts being reported on your credit. A lot of the times lenders are not going to take off negative accounts, even if it's paid. Most times if you pay something, either they will take it off and that's a very small percentage of the time or they will update it to a better status and still when you're going through the home buying process whether you pay it or you settle it it still looks better than unpaid debt so they'll either update it to paid in full or paid in, paid settled okay so what is the big issue about um um, like I have clients, like uh, sometimes they'll start working on their own credit before they come to me or anything. And so, you know, you talk to them, I sit down, I do the consultation and then I'll send them to the lender and the lender will tell them, hey, you need to remove the word dispute off of your credit report. Why is that such a big issue? And I know even after we go through the whole process, you know, they go to the mortgage provider and they let them know, like you said, they need to remove it. And it's basically because you want to own the debt. So whenever you go to dispute it, it's saying that at some point during the process, you didn't agree that that debt was yours. Before you get to the home buying process, you definitely want to have those removed. And some lenders, it depends on the amount of the well. If it's just a few hundred dollars, I believe. Um, I want to say, don't quote me, I want to say if it's like 
less than $300, the dispute remarks really don't matter. But if the account is a little bit higher than higher than that, then they're going to ask for the dispute remarks to be removed because it's valid. Like you are going through the home buying process. You, you don't want to be disputing accounts during that time because either they need to be paid or they need to, um, they may not even be something that you have to get off your credit report in order to be approved for the home buying process. Okay. So what has been the uh, minimum score that you've seen with like different lenders have, you know, Oh, I can get you in a house at 580 or this and that. What has been the minimum score that the lenders that you work with are requiring their clients to, to have? Okay, so good question. I know that it's changed a little bit during the pandemic. So when the pandemic first started, I knew that um, like banks like Chase, they had increased their credit score requirements up to like 700. Um, the lenders that we worked with, um, I want to say early, as far as like December of last year, they were still requiring a 640. It had went from a 580 to a 640. So even people maybe in the home buying process, they were at the closing table. And during the pandemic, all of these things started changing right before they were going to start that process. So that held up a lot of things. Um, a few months after that, it dropped to a 620. And then I, I want to say as recently as March, it dropped down to a 580. Again, I am not advising my clients to get a home with a 580 credit score, even though you can be approved. Um, you know, they have this thing where you, you don't necessarily want to be what's called house poor. So, you know, you want to save as much interest as you can by increasing your credit score as much as you possibly can, getting those deleted accounts and building up positive payment history to increase your credit scores. Yes, and that's what a lot of buyers, some of them do not understand. A lot of them will say, well, my friend got in the house and they had a 580. But when you, the lower your credit score, the higher your interest rate and uh, and the more you have to bring to closing. And one thing people do need to understand is when you have a low credit score, you do not qualify for some of these home buyer programs because the home buyer program, some of them require you to have at least a 640 or 620 or 640. So a lot of them right. require to have that. And so the other question that I have for you is credit cards, charge-offs, how, how does that work? And how long sometime does that process take for you to remove things? Okay, so most of my clients actually see results within about 60 days. So that really does vary, even though I can say about 90 to 95%, that's still true. Sometimes it does go beyond that 60 days and it can take months. Um, it's not very common. I did have one client, she was with me for seven months before we started getting any accounts deleted. After that, pre accounts pretty much just start dropping off because we had to build a case in order to start having more um, ammunition to get those accounts off. But it's still within that 60 days. Most clients either see credit score increases and or removed accounts. Uh, with charge-offs, um, it, it's really the same, no matter what the type of account is. It could be charged off, um, collections, medical debt, any derogatory items. We are going to start working on as soon as you get into the program. Charge-offs are a little bit different because, one, charge-offs are still calculated into the FICO credit score. They're charged off credit cards. So even though if you look at Credit Karma, if you're looking at other credit monitoring services, just say you have paid your credit cards down to 10%. That's very good. That's very good for those credit scores. Versus if you're looking at FICO, FICO is actually still going to calculate those charged off credit cards into your credit score. So mm -hmm. if you have unpaid charged off accounts that are credit cards, you could probably have 80% credit card utilization where you think the open accounts that you have are 10% or, you know, 60%. So charged off accounts are definitely something that you can get off during the dispute process. We have a very high rate of getting off charged off credit cards, especially. But if we get to a point where they're not coming off at some point, you have to realize that these accounts need to be settled and 
they even though they are not actually calculated in the home buying um, in a de- I'm sorry home buying process even though they're not calculated into the debt to income ratio they can still be removed and increase your credit scores. Okay, I have a question that came up. Can student loans be hidden and does it impact the debt income ratio? No, there's actually not hiding any student loans. That's what I said a little bit before. So even if I get them off of your credit reports, that's going to be good, especially if you had major derogatories and that is 90 day late payment. So if you're late on a student loan, it's not going to start reporting until it is 90 days late. So getting that off is going to be good for the overall credit profile. It's probably going to allow you some credit score increases, but just because it's off, doesn't mean that the lender or anyone else can't pull them up. They're not going to be on your credit scores. Your credit scores probably went up. But when you go to buy a home, they're going to be seen in another system that holds federal debt. Okay, so the question, what if the uh, it's in good standings? What if the I guess maybe some people have uh, tuning in late. So one of the questions that came up, I'm sorry. Uh, what if the account is in good standing? Okay, so if the student loan is in good standing, we're not even going to touch it. So a lot of my clients and most people probably went to school 10, 20, 25 years ago, and that's their longest standing account. So there's no reason at all in credit repair to touch a positive student loan. If it doesn't have any late payments, it's not reporting derogatory at all. We're not going to touch it because removing it could drop your credit scores where you had a 15 year old account and we got it removed now you only have like two or three years of credit history okay i have a question um like one of my clients they paid off all their bills and they didn't have anything to pay for like eight months so when it was time for the loan to be you know redone the lender told them they didn't have any credit at all is it good to pay off your bills and not have pay nothing or is it good to just make sure you have one up two accounts open or something like that because they paid off everything and they didn't have anything showing paying on a credit report for a long time so how does that affect the credit or why would that affect anything when you paid off all your bills right right and i know from a, a consumer standpoint it, it sounds good that you don't have any open debt on your credit but The whole point of credit and building up a credit score is to have good revolving debt and installment accounts. So the credit score is calculated in five different categories and one being credit mix. You have to have open credit cards and you have to have open installment accounts. So the installment accounts are student loans, mortgage loans, auto loans and things like that. The revolving debt, they have to have open credit cards. So they got to the lender and it it was a bad thing because they don't have any open revolving debt that's reporting every month. Okay. All right. Okay. So what type of, uh, when you say revolving, it's a credit card. That's a revolving account, a credit card? Yes. Yes. So if I have a client in my program and I am getting off negative items from their credit reports and we get some charge-offs accounts removed we get some collections removed and a lot of negative items are coming off initially what can happen is they can see credit score increases but the more that comes off especially if like i said before if positive was attached to those negative accounts then their scores are going to drop because you have to have open revolving um, debt which is open credit cards. You absolutely need open credit cards in order to maximize your credit scores. There's no way that you can build and maximize your credit scores without it. Okay, so when you say open credit cards, it depends on how many credit cards that you have. So if you have 10 credit cards open, 15 credit cards open, it's not gonna matter if you have a balance on each of those cards. Really, what's going to happen is, or I'm sorry, what's going to matter is if you have like five or five, one through, um, between one and five credit cards, it's important that those are reporting a balance between one and seven percent of the credit limit because, like I said, you want revolving debt every month. So I don't recommend paying a credit cards to zero because to the credit bureaus, it doesn't look like you're using that. And that's the whole point in building up credit scores is to use the open accounts that you have and have good revolving debt reporting each month. 
Okay, so what if you did pay it off? And then you've been using the card for a whole year and you paid it off and it shows zero. That's not good or you just need to pay it down? Yeah, it's not a bad thing, but like you're, you're not actually losing any points, but you're not gaining any bonus points that the credit bureaus give you. So if you went from just say 80% utilization on that card and you paid it down to zero, yes, it's a good thing because you don't have that debt, but it's, it's simple. You can just leave 1% of the credit limit on there so that you can continue to see your scores go up. Okay, I have another question that came across the screen. They said, I'm trying to understand if I have $100,000 in student loan debt, that is in good standing. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm confused. Okay, good. And it really depends on how the student loan debt is reporting. If there are late payments, if it's in default, if you need to go through a rehabilitation program, then all of those are negative things because it's reporting negatively, just like any other negative account. But if that student loan debt, even though the balance is high, I know you look at your credit reports and you see like, you know, you have all this student loan debt. It's not a bad thing. What is um, going to be looked at whenever you go to buy a home, they're going to calculate 1% of your student loans and uh, and figure that into your debt to income ratio. Is that for all student loans? It doesn't matter or that's for all of them? Yeah, that's for all student loans. So, like I said, getting that off of your credit reports, most credit repair specialists are not going to dispute that if they are in good standing because okay. it can drop your credit score. So no, it's it's not it's not a bad thing, but if you have the situation where your student loans are holding you back from buying a home, then one thing is to try to pay those down um, um, or to possibly get a second job, whatever is gonna help your debt to income ratio. Is it good for them for their student loans to come all or just leave them like they are? I didn't hear it, it cut in and out, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is it good for them to combine their student loans? Yes, because especially if you have a lot of different student loans, and most people do. So you can consolidate them. That way there's one reporting. And every time you have a new student loan or new account period, it decreases your average age of credit. So combining all of those into one student loan can help the credit length. Um, because instead of having two, um, sorry, sorry, 10 student loans reporting, you have one. So consolidating them can help you with your age and it can also possibly save you some money on your student loans. Okay. Um, car credit. Um, how does that, is that a good thing to have or a bad thing to have with car credit? <laughs> Auto loans are actually really good because again, it helps your credit mix. So that's why I say you actually want to have a good credit mix that is 10% of your score. So you need open revolving accounts. Those are credit cards and you need open installment accounts. So auto loans are actually good because they are installment accounts. Um, of course, when a new auto loan hits your credit, just like any other new account, you can either have a credit score increase depending on the rest of your credit profile, or you can have a credit score decrease. But the lower that balance is, especially when it gets down to I'm sorry, 9% of the loan, then that's when you're really going to see a, a a difference in your credit score because most of that loan is paid off and it looks better for the whole credit profile. But it's, it's very good because it's actually going to build up your payment history and also help your FICO auto loan score. Okay, what about uh, child support? I'm seeing a lot of that now. How do you handle that? So if someone comes to me and they are only worried about child support on their credit reports, then they are usually not going to be a good candidate for credit repair only because usually student, I'm sorry, usually um, child support doesn't report as a collection. There are times that it does, but most times it's re just reporting from the attorney general and it's just showing that they have child support that's unpaid. Maybe they have arrears but it's not calculated into the credit score. So if they're worried about child support and their scores are low, it's usually not that account that's hurting them. They probably have other negative accounts that are that is hurting them. If it's a collection, that's a different thing. We will work that 
but getting a student loan account that's only reporting as a, a an account from the attorney general it's usually not going to make a difference whether it's on their credit reports or not but if it's showing in arrears or something like that it it you can't get a house note because the mortgage it's a federal it's a federal uh situation so uh they have to either pay it or what have you seen happen with the ones that you did help what was their process Yes. So, for example, a few weeks ago, I put up where we got a student loan. Oh, I keep saying student loans. I'm sorry. I, we got child support off of a credit report, but it didn't make a difference. It's just that that client was, you know, adamant that that was why their scores are low. It didn't change at all because, again, if it's not a collection account, it's not doing anything for your credit, good or bad. Yes, you may have late payments reporting every month. You may see that balance increasing because child support draws interest, especially or the, the arrears draw interest. But it, it doesn't calculate into your credit score at all. Now, it's different even with the home loan process because all that debt is still calculating to your debt to income ratio. So on the credit side, it doesn't make a difference unless it's a collection. But whenever you're going for a home, all of that is still going to be considered. So if uh, if uh, child support is actually holding you back from buying a home loan, then again, it's kind of like student loans. You want to see if you can increase your income or pay the child support down. Is that the same thing for people that have um, internal revenue issues on their credit report? Do you try to work with those or you just you just can't? So as of 2018, anybody that has tax liens or public public records, those items shouldn't even be on the credit report. So any IRS debt is not supposed to be on the credit report. So if if that came to me and I seen it, of course, that would kind of be an easy thing for us to get off because by law, it's not supposed to be on there. But any tax debt, any debt that they are obligated to monthly, any federal debt, that's still different whether it's on the credit report or not. Okay, so uh, back in 2008, the, uh, the administration that was in office in the White House, I guess it was a policy that was passed that a certain dollar amount of collections could not go on your credit report. Is that still the way it is or did that change or did it not get passed yet or how? I'm not sure if it was passed actually because I've seen collection accounts as low as a dollar. Like it really doesn't matter what the amount of the collection is. What hurts your credit score is more that the fact that it there is a collection at all and how recent it is. It could be a dollar collection or it could be a thousand dollar, ten thousand dollar collection. A lot of the times that's gonna hold the same weight no matter what the balance is on the account, but uh -huh. it's gonna matter how old the account is or how recent it is and like I said, that they even have a collection reporting on their credit report at all. Okay, so what about situations which I'm pretty sure you may have already run across? People have paid off collections and they reappeared back on their credit report. How do you handle a situation like that? And those are actually something that, you know, especially if you have proof that you paid it off, if you actually paid the right people. So that's the thing whenever you are trying to work on I'm sorry, you're trying to work on your own credit or you're with another company or if you're my client, you don't want to go paying off things before you can see if the account is with the right company, if they actually own the debt legally, if they're licensed to do business in your state. So there's so many reasons that you don't want to immediately jump on top and pay a collection. But if you did pay it and it reports, then that's that's pretty easy, I would say, to get off. But one thing about collections, if I get it off and it's unpaid, then they are well within their right to put it back on your credit report if they sell it to a new collection agency because it's still your debt. So you're saying uh, if the credit report was paid and they can still resell it to other people, even though it was paid, you know, that is happening a lot to some people, you know. No, so how does it work when they paid it off and then they, maybe that company didn't show that it was paid off and then another they sold it to another company you know, you know so how does that work right right so not if it's paid like i said that's going to be more of a case where it's a little bit easier to get it off if it is sold and reported 
Uh, one thing that I have seen is just say you owe a TXU bill for $600. TXU calls you to let you know that they can settle the account for 50%. You pay the 50%. If that balance that you guys agreed to is paid, then that account should be done. They shouldn't sell the remaining 50% balance to a new company. If that does happen, then you have correspondence between you and the collection agency that they agreed to settle it as paid in full or you know settle it as um, paid so if they sell it then whenever you get into a credit repair program or you're working on your own credit that letter is something that you can use when you're disputing with the credit bureaus that you agree with the original creditor or the collection agency that they would um, wipe out the debt, they would no, no longer hold you liable for the debt if you at least pay 50%. Now, that's different than you actually paying a debt maybe to the wrong company or you um, disputing the account off through credit repair and it being sold. But if you paid it, then you really shouldn't have a problem in the future with getting that account off because it shouldn't be sold after you settled it. Okay, I have another question. We have another question. I think uh, somebody said, I think I need to dispute um, some stuff there. How can I find the new law that they passed in 2018? Okay, so I would Google it. Uh, I apologize. I can't think of the exact law right now, but I know it was passed in 2018 where any public records, besides bankruptcy, any public records like... Um, judgments from like evictions and broken leases, IRS, tax liens, those items cannot be reported on credit. So if it is, then you can work on your own credit, see if you can get it off. You can get it with a credit specialist or um, like I said, you can Google it what, exactly what the law was and use that as ammunition for you to get those items removed from your credit reports. I'm sorry. So when you say evictions and stuff like that can't be added to the credit report, you do know as a credit repair person that it is showing up. So why does it, if it can't be reported, why are they doing it? So there's different sections of a credit report. It can't be under public records. Okay. So under public records, mostly um, before um, Broken leases, evictions, anybody that took you to court, tax liens, those items were showing there. So the only thing that can be there is usually bankruptcies. If you have broken leases or old rental debt, those are still legal to be on your credit report as a collection or as the balance owed from the original company. Okay. Um, what about repos? How, how do you handle those, the repos? Especially if they have... Sold the car and it paid it in full, but it's still on the credit. How does that work? Did you say if they sold it and it was paid? Uh huh. And it paid the balance in full, even though the car was repossessed. The the dealer sold it and it still paid the balance in full, but they're still showing it as a repo. So how does how does that work? So that's kind of what I mentioned before: is that even though an account is paid. The original creditor or the collection agency is not obligated to take it off of your credit. It doesn't matter if it's paid or not. Um, with repos, just say, for example, if it's not paid, it really is going to depend on the state that you're in. But Texas has a um, UCC code where there are so many different things that have to take place before the repossession process. So that's what we use to attack repossessions. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that people don't realize is if you turn your own car in, whether it's a voluntary repossession or it's voluntary, it's still the same. If the um, lender is not able to collect the whole balance when they go to the auction, whatever they didn't collect, um, whatever you were in default, they're going to put that on your credit reports. So when you say, it, it, so if you voluntarily turn your car back in, that doesn't help the credit score, it's still damage. It doesn't matter if you turn it if they report it or you turned it back in, it, it really doesn't matter. Right. Both of those are negative things because most times when they go to auction, they're not going to be able to get that full balance that you owe. So just say you owe $20,000 on your car for whatever reason, maybe you're upside down on the loan or, you know, you just don't want to take um, continue with the payments. You turn your car back in. They sell it at the auction. They can get $10,000 for the car. They're going to put that remaining $10,000 on your credit report because you still signed off on that loan. So whether you 
had them pick it up or you voluntarily turned it in, it's still all negative on your credit report and impacts you the same way. Okay, okay. so what about bankruptcies? People have had them and they had them removed off their credit report. What is the required amount of time that they are supposed to stay on the credit report? Do the 7 and the 13, do they stay on there at the same time or how does that work? Okay, well, it depends on the type of bankruptcy. One will stay on for seven years, the other for 10 years. Um, if you are looking for help after a bankruptcy, of course, it has to be discharged or dismissed. It cannot be an active bankruptcy. And then, you know, once, once either of those happen, then you'll be able to enroll in credit repair. One thing about bankruptcy is, as you know, most lenders are not going to approve you for a home loan until it's at least two years old. I have run across lenders that will approve you once it's a, a year past. But usually that two year time frame is mostly what I've seen. But more importantly than getting the bankruptcy off itself is trying to get off as much of the negative accounts that were included in the bankruptcy. So just for um, a little clear explanation, if you enroll in credit repair with the bankruptcy, we're going to try to work all your negative accounts at once. We're even going to try to attack the bankruptcy to see if we can get it off. But even if the bankruptcy does not come off, more um, more importantly, like I said, is the accounts that were included in the bankruptcy, saying if we can get those collections, charge-offs, everything that was included in that bankruptcy, the more that you can get off, the better for your credit scores. So you're saying even though they're still in bankruptcy, that they you can still try to get that off in, while they're in bankruptcy and paying the fee? No, no. So I was saying that it has to be dismissed or discharged. So they have to pretty much be done with the bankruptcy. Once it's dismissed or discharged, then it's put on their credit reports. And then we work all of those to see if we can get it off. But so many people are worried about trying to get off the bankruptcy when it's the biggest credit score change is going to be getting off the accounts that were included in the bankruptcy. Okay, there's a question for you. <laughs> How does your program work if there is a uh, free consultation or is there a fee? Yes, yes. So I appreciate that. So my credit restoration program, there is a consultation. It's a $20 consultation right now. That link is on my website, www.rossfinancialsolutions.com. And I have a few plans available, but I am making changes in the business. So mainly what will be offered is paper delete. And paper delete is basically where you only pay for what I can get removed off of your credit reports. I will still offer monthly, but that will mainly be for business credit clients or case by case basis. But mostly I found that the paper delete is a little bit better model. And whether you have credit score increases, if your credit scores are going up based on what we've recommended for you to apply for, you're only going to pay after the enrollment, you're only going to pay for what accounts that I can get removed. So you'll pay a $249 enrollment. And then after that, you don't pay anything unless negative items start coming off of your credit reports. So they will only pay you what they call Yes. Until okay. negative items start coming off. Okay. And then that will be your account. Does it map that is the price per deletion or is it the amount of the, the of the account? Yes, good question. So it doesn't matter. All accounts, no matter if it's $150 or if it's $30,000, it is going to be $50 per deleted account. So $50 per item per bureau. So for example, if you have a $1,500 collection, if I get it off all through credit bureaus, then it is $50 for each credit bureau. So that's $150 for that whole account. Um, or if it, it, sometimes in credit repair, items come off credit reports at different times. So if it only came off TransUnion next month, you only owe $50. If it comes off Equifax and Experian the following month, then that's $100. Okay, can you explain to the audience why all accounts don't report to all three credit bureaus? If you have the answer. Yes, and well, not that I have that specific answer but that is actually the answer to why your credit scores are different 
And like I said, that's because all accounts don't report to each credit bureau. So you can have an auto loan. I've seen auto loans only report to two bureaus. I've seen, um, like I said before, a lot of medical debt is only on Experian. And like I said, overall, you'll have three different credit scores because each lender doesn't report to all three credit bureaus. And it costs to have this, um, it costs to have these items I'm sorry, I keep getting choked up. It on your credit report. So some some lenders, some creditors don't report to all three credit bureaus just because they have a contract with just one or they have a contract with just two or for whatever reason, they didn't meet the requirements for Experian or TransUnion or Equifax. Okay, so um, Credit Karma, can you kind of explain to them why Credit Karma is not the actual credit score because... Sometimes when you go on credit common, you say, oh, my score is a 660. And then when you get to experience it, it's a So can you explain to them? Okay. So Credit Karma, it is not that it's wrong. It's not that they have incorrect information. Credit Karma is actually good for monitoring. It's free. And Credit Karma is pretty accurate as far as what's on your credit. They show the balances. They show balance changes each month with your open accounts. They show your student loans. They show collection accounts, charge off accounts, closed accounts. So the data on Credit Karma is actually correct. The scores, it's not that they're wrong. They are just a different model. They're called Vantage scores. I think someone was asking that question earlier. They're Vantage scores. So there are very few lenders that actually use Vantage scores when they're approving an applicant, but most lenders are actually going to look at FICO. And from what I've seen, most clients have a probably 20 to 40 point difference in their Credit Karma scores versus what's on my FICO. So if you go through credit repair, those credit score increases are going to be good if you're monitoring your own credit. But if you go to apply for something major uh, home loan auto loan even sometimes a bank card you want to know what your true fico scores are before you make any major applications before you so put that's in. when you use experience transunion and equifax you don't the score that um credit karma has is not what the creditors use they use the the big three bureaus exactly that's correct okay one last question and then we're gonna answer any question that come across the screen inquiries how does that affect your credit and why does it affect it so much? Okay, so I know with inquiries, a lot of the times inquiries, especially if you're looking at credit karma or if you're looking at Vantage scores, every time you apply for credit, you can see that it's going to drop two to five points. Sometimes that's not the same on FICO. Sometimes I've seen where FICO doesn't even move at all. But inquiries are a big thing because first off, it's 10% of your credit score. But if you have too many inquiries to the bank, it's going to look like you're desperate for credit. So if you keep applying for items and you're getting denied, it looks like you're stressed financially and you're looking to see who can give you money. And, you know, you're, you're probably not in a good financial situation. But inquiries, a lot of people are pretty worried about inquiries when they should not be if your scores are low it's usually not just because of hard inquiries it's probably a lot of the negative items other than that that's reporting on your credit but one thing about inquiries that a lot of people want to consider is that they stay on your credit reports for two years but the um, score change that starts to wear off after about six months and it isn't even calculated into your scores at all after a year. So any inquiries older than a year, they're not, not even hurting you at all. Okay, what is the difference between a soft pull and a hard pull? So soft pull is when you are pre-approved, just say Capital One is looking at your credit every few months to see if they're gonna um, offer you a um, credit card without you even applying for it. Or if you go to Capital One's website, or if you go to Discover's website, they have a pre-approval application where they pretty much take a peek at your credit without putting a hard inquiry on it. So the soft pull is really just somebody seeing like where you stand. Um, maybe they don't see your credit scores. Maybe they do, but they're able to see where you are as far as your account balances, what type of accounts you have, how recent the negative accounts are and things like that versus a hard inquiry. That's actually the inquiry that's going to stay on there for two years. 
And then um, another thing about soft pools is that if you have a credit card and you're looking to get a credit score and credit limit increase, then the company that you're with, they're probably going to be soft pulling your credit every few months to see if you qualify for a credit limit increase. Okay, how often does the credit the credit score changes? When and when will it change? Credit scores actually change every day, especially if you are monitoring my FICO. My FICO is real time. They will show any new changes on your credit report daily. Um, even TransUnion on Credit Karma has started monitoring daily so any balance changes any credit score increases any credit score decreases all of that can usually be seen on credit karma transunion or on my fico daily but most credit reports don't update until maybe every 30 days or every seven days or every two weeks so it depends on the credit report that you're i'm sorry the credit monitoring that you're looking at but your credit score is actually changing every day it's just that most credit monitoring services don't give you that daily update so when you pay off a, a card how long does it take for the creditor to update it does it report at the end of your billing cycle because some people think they pay it off today or will the creditor report on their billing cycle exactly so it's going to report on your billing cycle when it ends so if you have a credit card due today then most companies report three days after the due date um, sometimes I've seen up to four, sometimes five, but you, it's usually three days. So if your uh, your card is due today, you want to make the at least the minimum payment today so that you can avoid a late fee. But the balance that's going to report to the credit bureau is going to be around the 27th. So you don't want to use your credit card until after the statement comes out because I have clients that pay their card off every month, but they're using it too fast. So they pay it off in full, they use it, and then they have a maxed out credit card reporting to the credit bureaus because they didn't wait until that statement came out. Okay, so for somebody that don't understand that, if they pay it off, they need to wait till that next billing cycle to use it again. It's basically, if they pay yeah. it off today, they need to wait 30 days later and then use it again to that billing cycle closes or what? Yeah, not necessarily. So just say like the example I gave, if your card is due today, you pay it in full, you pay a $300 account balance, you pay it down to zero, um, or you leave a, a small percentage on it. The statement is going to come out on the 27th. Once the statement comes out, literally the second that the statement comes out, if you check the app, if you check the website and you see that a new statement came out, you can use your credit card. You can max it out if you need to. You can. It's kind of like borrowing money from yourself each month. So as soon as the statement comes out, feel free to use however much you need to. But the next month is kind of risk and rent and repeat. You want to pay it down by the time it reports to the credit bureaus. Okay, we have a question here. Can you explain business and personal credit? You know, are the scores calculated the same? No, they are actually different. Uh, one major thing about business credit is if you have business credit cards, you are not penalized for maxing out those cards. You can have high balances on your accounts. You can have high balances on your credit cards. And it's not a penalty. You don't lose points based on the amount that you're using on your open accounts. Um, the scores are different. Um, the score range is different. Uh, for example, you can have like a, a 70 experience score. It, it really depends on what credit bureau you're looking at, what you're using to monitor your business credit, but they are very different. Um, business credit is a little bit easier to build than personal credit. It depends on what you're starting at, but most people starting off with business credit, they're going to start with vendor accounts where you are ordering things from like Quill or Uline, and then you graduate to gas cards, and then you qualify for maybe business loans and business credit cards, but they're still calculated very differently. Okay, so once you, this is the time. We are, 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 and once you get finished with the client, how long does it usually take you to get everything done so you can send them to the realtor to buy the property, you know, to start purchasing a home? Well, it depends on whether they are 
are at in the process and where their scores are at. So for example, I actually have a client. He's been with me for a year this month. He's been with me for 12 months, but he was actually approved. And I would say March, he was approved to go ahead and start the buying process. Um, the only thing with that is maybe if the down payment is not together or you're waiting to get a higher score, but that process is usually going to start even before you're completely done. How I know that I need to get you on the phone with a mortgage advisor to see where your FICO scores are. If we have got a lot off of your credit reports compared to when you started or your advantage scores are, are like with at least the minimum that um, it would be to qualify for a home loan. Thank you so much, uh, Demetria, for coming on my podcast. Demetria will be on next month. Um, I really appreciate all the information that you know you have given out. If anyone have any questions, where can they reach you? I am here on Facebook at um, I just changed my name, so my personal page is Credit Repair by Demetria. My business page is Ross Financial Solutions. That's R-O-S-S. I am also on Instagram, Credit Repaired by Demetria. And my website, thank you, is www.rossfinancialsolutions.com. Everyone, let's give Ms. Demetria a hand clap. Everything, all the information, I'm pretty sure it helped a lot of people. Um, again, I want to thank everyone for coming uh, to the podcast. My name is Labrita Dews. You're buying and selling with Bree. I am a realtor in the Dallas North area. If you're looking to buy a home, please give me a phone call at 817-975-9284. Or you can visit my Facebook page, the KLS Realty Group at uh, KLS Realty Group at gmail.com or you can go to my website www.labritadues.com again thank everyone for uh coming on the podcast today Mr. Demetria, you're gonna be back next time people always have uh questions about credit report it is a big thing right now about credit so let everyone um give Mr. Demetria a, a big hand also um Next week, uh, next month, I will ha have a lender and another special guest. And uh, so please, uh, next month, don't forget to tune in every month, the fourth of every month at 8 p.m. I will definitely be here. Demetria, do you have anything? Yeah, thank you again just for having me. And I'm looking forward to next month. And everyone that tuned in, I appreciate it. Or if you catch the replay, I appreciate it as well. And thank you so much for the questions. Can you give out your phone number? Yes, you can reach me at 469-616-3680. You can call or text if you have any questions about your credit. And if we are getting into too much detail, we'll schedule a consultation. But that is the number I can be reached at. Again, that's 469-616-3680. Ms. Kesha, I really want everyone to give a round of applause to Ms. Kesha. She is amazing. She is one to push everybody this is her platform uh, it's i just really appreciate her again if anyone wants to contact me you can call me at 817-975-9284 or go to my facebook page the kls realty group.com thank you thank you thank you everyone for uh coming out i really appreciate you again i am on the fourth Monday of every uh, month from 8 to 9 p.m. Um, if anybody else need call, you got one minute left. Anybody else got quick question or anything? If not, thank you, 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 everyone. Um, hopefully to see you next month. Anything thank you else you want to say, uh, Mr. Mitra? No, I just thank you again and thank everyone for tuning in. And I'll see you guys next month if you have any questions.
Are we actually live? My mic is muted. Sorry, guys. Uh, no, you're not live. You're no longer live. Um, I just had to come back in. It, it bounced.